Thank you for joining the Paul Bunyan podcast on our tweener episode. That's right. We are now between the college basketball regular season and the college basketball postseason. As both the Wolverines and Spartans have wrapped up their 31-game schedule and both of them prep for Big Ten tournament play in Indy. Mike, who does Michigan have on the docket? They have Rutgers. Rutgers and Indy and Michigan State will be playing the winner of Ohio State and Purdue. We'd like to thank our sponsors, as always, Farbar Clothing and the Beards for Radio podcast. As per usual, you can connect with us on Twitter at Paul Bunyan Pod for all your stale hot take needs. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook or email us at the Paul Bunyan Podcast at gmail.com. We will wrap up the Hoops regular season on the flip. first with Michigan. Uh, their first game was against Nebraska in which they won 82-58 on senior night. Uh, Juwan Howard was in t- attendance. Uh, several... I would hope Juwan Howard was in attendance. Oh, did John, John Beeline was in attendance. <laughs> Juwan Howard actually wasn't in attendance. Uh, John Beeline took over coaching duties for one game. It's nice of them to let him have that moment on the team. <laughs> It's kind mm-hmm. of a throwback Thursday thing. <laughs> but, yeah, as well as um, uh, some parents um, before the game, a um, uh, few days before the game, they announced that Austin Davis will be getting a fifth year. So right. he would have been honored, <clears throat> but uh, he'll, he'll be back next year. So Xavier and Teske. Um, and at, at, at the moment, they are the winningest basketball players in U of M basketball history. Uh, though the juniors, like livers on the team, have a good chance of challenging that. Yeah, uh, it was it was Muhammad Ali Abdul Rahman's class that they previously had, held yep, that record. Yeah, yep. uh, a couple of deep postseason runs will do that. And um, also, if you look at basketball history, every few years they seem to add more games. To, yeah, so not necessarily the best. Um, the, those late 80s teams are probably still the best, like as far as like a three or four year run. Yeah. Um, maybe the Fab Five, too, because uh, Juwan and uh, Jalen's senior year, they got to Elite Eight. But those teams might still be better, the, the Glenn Rice ones and then the Fab Five. But I mean, it's Michigan fans have been pretty much spoiled in basketball the last three or four years. Um, <clears throat> they had, a, I don't know how they do it elsewhere, but. They asked people to come early because they had, like, the ceremony before the game. And then, like, I actually thought the ceremony after the game was even better. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they do that at Breslin. At Breslin, they've kind of taken the stance of doing it after the game now. Uh, obviously, you have the, the court kissing ceremony if the game allows for that to happen, you know. Um, but, yeah, I think since Draymond Green or maybe since Kalen Lucas senior year, they've been doing it after the game. Feels like, like before the game years. is almost more for the parents, yeah. and then after the game, like the players give speeches and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's like more for the fans. Yeah, too. 
And uh, there, there's some risk reward with either. Yeah. And uh, there's more speeches and uh, it's almost more for the players, the coaches. And then like the student section always stays late. One yeah. thing that annoyed me is this year it fell on spring break for the students. So there wasn't a lot of people. There. No, there was still a lot, but just not as much as usual. Yeah. Um, the students that love Michigan basketball really love Michigan basketball. And actually, if you uh, listen to any fan or any season ticket holder, the way they have the students set up is so stupid. They need to seat more of them at courtside. I've heard a lot of, com- or I've seen a lot of complaints about that on Twitter. Oh, it annoys yeah. me. Anyway, um, I do think how emotional the ceremony was, kind of, <laughs> and I've seen this a couple years, uh, kind of made Michigan get off to a slow Split start. Arms, yeah. yeah, I think they played, actually played Nebraska, I want to say, on senior night, like three of the last five I know they did uh, last year. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and they did a few years before that, too. And they kind of, same script, where um, uh, they'll get off to a slow start and then kind of, like, slaughter them. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I feel like their last home game has been against Nebraska probably, like, three times in five years, maybe three times in six years. And I, as you said, I know for sure it was last year. Yeah. Um, but, the, yeah, it kind of felt like Michigan forgot they were playing an actual team. Um, though maybe Nebraska barely qualifies. Then Nebraska win the win the race for the bottom. I think the Northwestern finished one game ahead of them in the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah, uh, Nebraska is number fourteen in the seating, so they'll be playing Indiana. I'm really disappointed because a week or two ago they played each other, and I wanted to make a point to watch that terrible game. Nebraska Northwestern, <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. for the LOLs, <laughs> but I, I did miss it. <laughs> Um, Michigan uh, jumped out to a nine-point lead somewhat early. I, I want to say it was like 13-4 to four or something. And you're like, oh, okay, this is going as this planned. pretty standard. But yeah. then they started to really fool around. They weren't hitting shots. Um, they actually weren't turning the ball over a lot. I think they only had four turnovers in the first half, which is like the only thing they did do well. Nebraska already had 14 at that point. <laughs> and, but uh, Michigan was only up by four at the half. Um, the second half was all Michigan and it ended up being, you know, going as going to script. It was just yeah. what you expected. I mean, Michigan outscored them by 20 in the second half, 50 yeah. to 30. Uh, nah, I was, as I said, I was at this game and Beeline was actually in the box in front of me and my wife, like he was in our section and you could hear fans shouting, especially before the game, but throughout it too, uh, Thank you, Beeline. Like, yeah. and that was cool. That's a nice moment. And they did a segment perks, where, perks of getting let go or walking away, however you want to phrase yeah. it. Yeah, perks of not being in Cleveland anymore. He was on his own spring break. So, side note: uh, twenty sixteen seventeen, the last game of the regular season, Michigan was at Nebraska. Oh, okay. That's probably why it felt like they always end the season with Nebraska or every other year. Yeah. But they did a segment where they did uh, Michigan players in the pros, and they highlighted Hardaway, Duncan, and most notably, Karras' 51-point game. And you could see Beeline was just sitting there like, yeah, I help with that. Like, (laughs) really proud. (laughs) And, of course, he has a big connection to most of the players on the current team. Um, Badgema and Franz were recruited by him, too. So even the freshmen. um, Oh, uh, a note. 
I'm sorry, Nebraska Nebraska basketball just makes me laugh this year. <laughs> Apparently their point guard has had like three suspensions in the last five games. Yeah. Or um, maybe it's five suspensions in the Cam last three Mack, games. I believe got the old uh He's an interesting character too, because he he uh decided to come to Nebraska late in the cycle after Hoiberg got the job. And uh, yeah, I, I think Hoiberg will have them ne- right by Nebraska standards soon. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, Cam Mag looks like he got he rear-ended somebody, and uh, I don't know if he was involved in the hit and run or if he. But that's like not his only problem this year. Right. It's like been, he's had a few, and he was almost at St. John's. I think he was like inches away from signing his letter of intent, but. Uh, is it like all suspensions or some of them slap on the wrist? It was just like, and uh, I haven't paid yeah. enough attention to Nebraska basketball. Like I didn't hear about it until. Can't imagine why you would. <laughs> um, at one point, Nebraska was turning it over once every three possessions. Sounds like thirty-three percent of their possessions. Sounds like a Michigan State game sometimes. <laughs> Uh, they end up finishing with only 22 turnovers. At one point, they were on pace for 28, So, <laughs> and uh, only 28% of their possessions. Uh, especially when it was garbage time. They actually seemed to help their <laughs> stats. And especially Michigan was also emptying the bench, so you saw Luke Wilson, Owen Wilson. <laughs> uh, Livers has been up and down since his return. He was up for this game. I'll have something else to say for the Maryland game. They hit two or three threes. Uh, three which, of eight is what it says. In the which stats. has been a problem for him since returning. Uh, he finished with 18 points and 10 rebounds. Um, the slow pace, like I said, kind of actually helped Nebraska and Michigan getting their starters out there. Because uh, one, once Michigan was up by like 28 or so, they just emptied the bench. And yeah. at one point, my wife leans over to me and she's like, why is – Ron's still in the game when they've like taken all the other starters out. And I'm like, that is Badjama. And she's like, oh. And from the stands, they look very similar. We were similar. just talking about Badjama on the last episode. Yeah, he got some, obviously, he got more time than some of the other. He uh, scored. Um, but like I said, from the stands, they do look similar. Anyways, this is notable because I go on Twitter and someone's like, please tell me there's a third Wagner brother. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, someone is like, "I have some good news for you," and they post a picture of Badjama. <laughs> and I'm like, my wife would agree; they do look alike. Anyway, um, that's racist. She's <laughs> <laughs> just saying that because they're white. <laughs> Michigan's had some Canadian players that kind of look like they're from the. Actually, they, uh, isn't Spike from Indiana? He kind of they all yeah. look like they could be in the same family. <laughs> Anyway, Michigan finished the regular season at Maryland. And Maryland is a good team anyway, uh, but they're a bad matchup for Michigan. They end up winning 83-70. to 70. Um, The Turtles shoot, shot the ball well. Many of the players shot better than they usually do. Um, that was mostly because Michigan doesn't do well with stretch fives. And that's pretty much what Jalen Smith is. He's like the definition stretch five. Yeah, and I think he only shot one from five from three. And that was that at the buzzer. Yeah. Yeah. And Michigan held them in check from the outside. But what that did is that other guys were getting open and knocking them down. Yeah. And the other part of that is Michigan also struggles against taller guards. And we've gone in depth about the height of Michigan guards. Right. (laughs) It's been a whole segment (laughs) looking that up. 
Now, guys like Cowan are going to get theirs regardless, but Michigan was getting burnt by some of the B team, the guys that you yeah, a lot like, of times want to let shoot an open shot. Eric Ayala had 19 points. He shot three of four from three-point range. Uh, Aaron Wiggins had 15 off the bench. He also shot three for four from three. Their bench definitely did a lot better than Michigan. Yeah, so Maryland shot eight for 20 from three-pointers. And Ayala and Wiggins were six of eight combined between the two of them. Yeah. And uh, now get into it a little bit more. Eli and Livers were 0 for 8 combined from 3. And uh, I have correct. a little bit more on that. <laughs> but the only really positive of the first half was David DeJulius. And speaking of which, Mark Turgeron, this freaking guy. Mark Turgeron. <laughs> going was he complaining into, about the tip-off time? It was too early for him? Nope. Going into <laughs> the half. It's time for him to be interviewed. And he says, Nunez is killing us out there. Ooh, Nunez didn't play a single minute. (laughs) (laughs) Which is something no one has muttered since Nunez was in high school. (laughs) David DeJulius had 13 points in the first half, and he finished with 20. Well, that's why he's killing you right there. You didn't do a good enough job on the scouting report. You didn't even get his name right. (laughs) Right. Obviously, that's who Turgeron meant. Maybe like on the overhead, DeJulius kind of sounds like Nunez. (laughs) He's just like, yeah, F it. They're the same person. You look over at Maryland's bench. Former Michigan assistant DeAndre Haynes is on the sideline. He was on Beeline staff as recently as last summer. Obviously, Saudi Washington stayed. Yep. Yachlich went to Texas, and Haynes landed at Maryland. So I'm guessing he's the one that did the scouting report. <laughs> and I like Haynes. Um, and he has a familiarity with a lot of the players. Nunez is a sophomore. DeJulius is a sophomore. So he obviously was with them yeah. last year. And I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if uh, Maryland's – I mean, this is their first Big Ten regular season title. First, first conference championship since 2010 when they were in the ACC. It might not be a coincidence Haynes is over there. <laughs> that might be giving them a little bit – too much credit, but I do think he's a good assistant. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Smith took a big step from a, a very solid freshman year as well. Yeah, and the season as a whole. What did uh, Jalen Smith, I think, I know he got some points inside. Uh, Jalen Smith finished with 18 points, 11 rebounds. Um, since he shot, he shot six for 12 from the floor, but one for five from three. So he was Michigan, five for seven inside. And, and the rebounding was pretty much even in the first yeah. half. But Maryland really took charge of that in the second half. So Smith was five of seven inside the arc, five of eight from the free throw line. Did so much. He had a much better game than Teske, and that's a big part of the what decided the game, too. Um, Michigan hasn't shot above 30% from three in six games, and uh, that's a problem. Um, nothing Michigan can do about Cowan, too. What did Cowan finish? It seemed like he had a big game. Yeah, Cowan played uh, the every the single game. game. Yep. 20 points, uh, four rebounds, eight assists, shot seven of 11 from the field, uh, 0 of 2 from three, but six for six from the And line. I know Smith had good uh, stats, too, but Cowan was like the eye test. Yeah. It seemed more noticeable. More clutch. Yeah. He had a really good and he game. was the leading scorer, and it was yeah. his senior day. Yeah, well. but he only had two more points than Smith. But it just felt like they came at felt more, like he had more of an impact. Yeah, than that. yeah. And Smith is a good player too. I really like him. Yeah, Smith. I really think could have gone last year and maybe snuck in at the end of the first round. I think we talked about that yeah. in the last. Um, there's only so much you can do about Cowan hitting those shots. The guards contested them, but Xavier Simpson. I told you, I don't even think he's six foot. 
the Julius is six foot, and uh, Brooks is six one. Uh, hats off to Maryland for that. And really, I mean, they took advantage of the spacing. You know, you have a guy who's a lot quicker than Teske at the five, and then your guards are knocking down shots. Um, I think Eli Brooks is still getting used to wearing the mask, he was, which really makes me aggravated because he was hitting his stride right before that injury. Um, we talk about how this season's been a roller coaster for him, but the games leading up to that mask, uh, he was a real big reason. Michigan was one of the hottest teams in the Big Ten at that point. Um, uh, like I said earlier, him and Livers were 0 from 8 for Oh, for eight from three. Um, Livers has shown potential at times since coming back. Like I said, he had to be. You seem like uh, you were hoping the Nebraska game was like him. Okay, now yeah. in his stride. Uh, obviously, Nebraska is not very good, but he did what he was supposed to. Maryland, though, I mean, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing to be ashamed of for losing the, to them on the road. And Michigan actually got it within three in the second half. Uh, the, what yeah. is it? The Yum Yum Center? I don't know what. I always mix up. Where, where Maryland plays? Yeah, the, oh, the Xfinity Center. Yeah, I always confuse that. And what's Louisville the, plays at the Yum KFC Center. Yum Center. And then uh, where does Ohio podcast. State play? Isn't that like the Xfinity Center too? Uh, where does Ohio State I know, play? I know it is uh, sponsored. but um, Yeah. Value City Arena. I'm there saying. you go. But there's nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, Michigan silenced their crowd at one point, and they were only down by three after being down thirteen at the uh, thirteen at the half. But then Maryland went on a run, and that was the dagger. After that, every time Michigan got to six or seven, Maryland would hit a very <laughs> a three that would just kill Michigan. And it was a bit like the Wisconsin game where Mar- Michigan couldn't hit threes, and Maryland was. So even when Michigan was on a roll, it was. You know, they were getting twos. Maryland was getting threes. Right. Even momentum kind of feels like it's not gaining separation, but, you know, you look at the scoreboard and it is. You know, Franz and DeJulius were the big uh, – they were the positives, especially on Michigan's offensive side. They accounted for 50% of their points between the two of them. And, you know, Franz is – he was named all first team Big Ten freshman – Yep. Um, Rocket Watts made that list as well. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Rocket, Rocket Vots. <laughs> and I actually thought I agreed with like all five of those players. Like it was like on the Trace, freshman team. Yeah, Trace Jackson from Trace Indiana. Jackson Davis. Yeah, uh, Kofi the guy, Coburn. Yep, from Illinois. And then the guy from Iowa was really good too. CJ Frederick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Michigan finishes the se- uh, Big Ten season at ten and ten um, after um, Maui. Ken Palm had them going 11-9, so it was – at times it didn't seem like they were going to reach that mark when they were, like, <laughs> tied for 12. Other times they were, like, two games out of second place, so it was up and down. Um, I really would like to see uh, a couple players kind of turn it around a bit, especially Livers. They need Livers playing well. Teskies, yeah. this has just been uh, – so seeing him so emotional at senior night really made me feel bad with how much he struggled. Yeah. Um, it's just been kind of a rough season if he could, coming for him. Yeah. At the end of last season, he was hitting some threes. And now that Xavier Simpson can go left, it would be really nice if they could stretch the floor a little bit there. Um, but uh, I'm excited. Um, it's never easy to beat a team three times, and they're going to have to do that with Rutgers in the tournament. We'll get more to that on the other side, especially <laughs> since none of those games were at home. 
was trying to find the tweet, but somebody tweeted the other day, like, feels like a miracle now in hindsight. Yep, Chris Chris Castellani said, in hindsight, Teske going for 15-5 and five against Tillman back in January was kind of a miracle. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you look at, like, where their seasons have gone right from uh, there. Uh, Teske, though, the first two months of the season, he was not struggling on offense. Right, Uh in the non-conference season, he kind of was like the focal point of their offense. Yeah, yeah. Times when they weren't, and then it was like amazing. That. One of those games, he um, was in foul trouble. Michigan still won. <laughs> yeah. was, and then it was a game where Simpson barely played, and Michigan somehow won. And that was kind of like the Eli Brooks and the Julius coming out party. But yeah, he. Uh, I think the de- the defensive struggles kind of leaked into his offense so struggling too. What's your general mood surrounding this team entering the Big Ten tournament, like? How, in, a, in simple words, how are you feeling about? I wish they could right play now? Maryland instead of Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin and Michigan State are like the two hottest teams. Yeah, uh, and if they, I, I, I don't think it's easy to beat a team three times, especially when you match up. And none of them are, none of these games have been at home. Right. But, you know, I, I, I kind of think they have a slight edge against Rutgers, and then, but then uh, I don't know the Wisconsin or. Uh, is one of the five or ten hottest teams in the country right now. And it just does not make sense to me how, how Wisconsin is <laughs> doing it. We totally, wrote, we totally wrote them and guard off at one point. They were yeah. seven and six in the non-conference. Uh, Micah Potter has just been a huge difference for them. I believe they were like five and five or seven and six, like you said, when he uh, was declared they were eligible. Like, it's been a huge turning point since then. Yeah, they were seven and six in the non-conference yeah. before like, – Potter and Reavers, like, by themselves, I don't think either of them are too special. But when you pair the two, it just unlocks something inside them. where They're just, like, two three-point shooting towers who can rebound as well. I totally agree. And um, do you want to finish the Big Ten tournament talk in the third segment? Yeah, uh, we will get to more Big Ten tournament talk. Um, but, yeah, what are your, kind of your expectations, I guess? Like, you expect to beat Rutgers, Rutgers and lose to Wisconsin? Okay, one, one yeah. and done. And it wouldn't surprise me if they lose a close game to Rutgers. Rutgers is good. But, I mean, Michigan just seemed to have their number. The only team that they lost to at home this season. American folklore tells the story of Paul Bunyan, a lumberjack of enormous size and strength, who, along with his blue ox babe, carved the American countryside, creating many of its landscapes and natural wonders. The major logging state of Michigan has its own battle of men of enormous size and strength as the Michigan Wolverines and Michigan State Spartans square off in an annual showdown on the college football gridiron. They play for the Paul Bunyan Trophy, a fitting prize for this historic Big Ten showdown. Michigan State celebrated Senior Day with an 80-69 win over the Buckeyes, winning their third straight share of a Big Ten regular season championship, Tom Izzo's 10th. Uh, Tom Izzo now becomes the first Big Ten coach to win three straight Big Ten regular season titles two different times. Uh, so that's that's a very special honor for him. And, you know, you knew Cassius Winston was going to show out on this day. He basically did what you expect. In 39 minutes, he shot 10 for 14 from the floor, three, four for seven from three, finished with 27 points, six assists, even grabbed four rebounds, uh, had a steal and only two turnovers. Those are Really solid numbers for him. Uh, Rocket Watts. Rocket Man has just been so solid the last month of the season. He was just named Big Ten Freshman of the Week. Like we said, was part of the Big Ten All-Freshman team. 
He, How many times did he do that this year? I, th- I believe that was his first because oh. he had a, a rough go of it. Remember, he missed about three weeks. He missed pretty much all of December and came back right at the start of Big Ten play. Wow, that's kind of weird because Franz kind of missed all of November and right. came back, right? <laughs> uh, but Watts shot six for 13, four of 10 from three, uh, finishing with 19 points. And he did a lot of that early to give Michigan State the initial surge. Uh, Xavier Tillman uh, is now the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. If you look at Michigan State's recruiting class from two years ago, uh, it was only two players, but both of those players have won Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, the other one being Jaron Jackson Jr. They, uh, what year was that, 2018? The 2017-18 class. They only so got they were, two players? Yeah, but it was uh, Tillman and oh, Jackson. Yeah. Um, personally, I think Xavier Tillman might as well have uh, – Kiss the court as well because I think he's really playing himself into a draft position in the NBA right now. Um, I would love to have him back, but you know, just looking at his situation, having two kids, uh, one of them's a newborn, uh, in terms of like where his stock could go, I think it makes sense for him to leave to the NBA, but uh, not not to get ahead of ourselves. Um, I mean, it's you know, kind of all of the cliches apply you know oh it's march it's michigan state time they're clicking on all cylinders they're peaking at the right time (laughs) you know all of the cheesy cliches you can think of for michigan state basketball are applicable once again and you know just look at the season that michigan state had i think i said on our last episode that if they could wrap up the regular season with the big 10 title this becomes a storybook type of season when you just look at the hardships that a lot of these players went through individually and then look at what the team did. Um, I think Tom Izzo's best coaching job in a while was last season, but uh, it took him a while to get going too. And there was some really good articles about his interactions with the Winston family published on the free press this week. Um, And also some really good articles about him coaching up rocket Watts and just, the, the different relationships he has with each player, you know. Um, and one player that's really come on lately has been Aaron Henry. Uh, a couple episodes ago, I just was kind of getting fed up with where Michigan State was because it was very frustrating how Tillman and Winston were doing their thing every game. But we said, you just don't have a third scorer yet or you don't have a third consistent scorer. Sometimes it's Gabe Brown. Sometimes it's Henry Watts. But sometimes you don't even, get one of those. I think it, Tillman's actually like stepped his game up since then. Tillman has stepped up. A I lot. thought it was clearly Winston one, Tillman two, and at the beginning of the season, I thought it'd be one A or one B, and that's how it's been the last few weeks. Yeah, it's hard to. You can make the argument that Tillman is more important to the team than Winston at points. He was in the Penn State game. Yeah, you, know, you, you can see it because I believe with Tillman on the floor, it was thirteen to twelve when he left the court, and then it was like. 25 to 13 when he came back or something like that. He had 15, nine and five against Ohio state, by the way, on Sunday, um, 23 yeah. and 15 against Penn state. Yeah. Career high 23. Um, so he's just, he's doing his thing. Um, but yeah, Henry, since the Michigan game on February 8th, uh, these are just his scoring numbers. These don't even tell the full story, but Henry had 11 at Michigan. And a lot of those came in the second half. 13 at Illinois, 9 versus Maryland, 13 at Nebraska, 17 versus Iowa, 9 at Maryland, 12 at Penn State, and then 12 versus Ohio State. In the last month, 
in those games. He has looked more and more each game like the Aaron Henry that showed up at the Big Ten tournament and the March Madness tournament of last season, which is probably the biggest monkey off of Michigan State's back. They needed that. that. Yeah, you kind of thought that Henry might show up earlier in the season, and that's what was most frustrating about this team. And that's where a lot of those preseason expectations came from. Not just that you thought Langford was going to be there and possibly Hauser, but you thought Henry maybe would take a little bit of time to get back to that level, but you didn't think it would be that long. And it was he was kind of – it took him a moment to get into that headspace where he realizes he can get into the lane at pretty much any time he wants. And when he drives for Michigan State, only good things happen. Yeah. Um, there was a void there, too, for a third player to step up. Yeah. And I don't even think he's their third best player right now. I think actually Watts is. Yeah, Watts um, really, I think the injury took more of a toll on him early this season than we knew. Um, so it was a blessing in disguise to have him sit in December because he just wasn't getting any lift. I think there was like six or seven times he went up for a layup and just – got swatted you know a player of that athleticism and that ability shouldn't be getting swatted at the at the rim so often so I think you've seen his pickup go off a little bit more and he's he's shooting it more confidently and he's just a special type of player that can fit into Tom Izzo's system because that's what Tom Izzo's offense is you know it's a very strict system where everybody knows their roles to a T but he also has the skill set to go playground ball and make it work. Like Corey Lucius would go playground ball all the time, and it would it would really <laughs> tick Tom Izzo off. And that's why you didn't see Corey Lucius surpass Kalen Lucas at all, even when Lucas was struggling at times. You just didn't see Corey Lucius gain mm-hmm. any steam on him because that playground ball wasn't working for him. But Rocket Watts has that ability, and Tom Izzo's also matured since then as well. Um, Tom has always said, you know, he's willing to live with the bad shot selection that Rocket Watts occasionally has. I mean, yeah, he banked in two three-pointers in the first half, and that kind of led to some inflated confidence, I might say. He he had a couple where he kind of out of rhythm shot it for from deep. I mean, he shot, where was it, four for ten from three. You know, like that's that's not ideal. I mean, 40% is pretty good. But Yeah, that's a – yeah, but that's a lot of uh, three-point shots. That's still. a lot of three-point shots. <laughs> Far and away most on the team. Uh, Winston had shot seven, and nobody else shot more than two. Or, well, Henry shot three. But, yeah, just the way Aaron Henry and Rocket Watts have stepped up, it's made a big difference for Michigan State, where all season you were just looking for that third person. Now you got two coming up, and I believe Malik Hall and Kyle Ahrens um, – that really makes up your rotation. You got that starting five that's usually going to be Winston, Watts, Henry, Malik Hall, and Tillman at the five, and then Ahrens. Like, that's your main six that you'll roll with in the big dance. And then you'll get players like Gabe Brown. That's what I think the Big Ten tournament is going to be used for for Michigan State. I, I don't think they have too much of an opportunity to move up, and I think they're pretty solidly a three seed now. Um, you look at, like, they're only – Really bad loss was a thirty point shellacking. Bracketmatrix.com, which is usually really good, and it kind of takes all the big sites, all the big bracketologists, has yeah. them as a three. Has Michigan as a six, by the way. Yeah, and I feel, and I think it's the general consensus around all the bracketologist nerds that 
a three seed is pretty much where they're going to go unless they look really impressive and beat Ohio State and Maryland. Then you will be looking at maybe possibly moving up to a two seed. But, um, you know, the difference between a two seed and a three seed typically isn't that much. I don't I don't think unless they have a 30 point loss to Purdue again that they would drop down to a four. I think they're pretty solidly there. So they probably wouldn't because Seton Hall and Maryland right now are the two teams right behind them. Okay. Michigan State has a winning record against those two, two and one. Um, but that's kind of what I want to see out of the Big Ten tournament. You you accomplished your goal. Um, two weeks ago, I thought it was pretty much impossible for Michigan State to get it together and win the regular season title. I mean, Maryland had a three-game lead with six games remaining. So I just mathematically, I thought it was impossible. I, and, I told you they, that those te- they didn't have a gimme game, though, really. Right. No, exactly. Unfortunately, Wisconsin snuck their way in, too. Yeah. That's, that's a little disgusting, especially when you look back at that. February 1st game at the Troll Center, as you like to say. (laughs) (laughs) It is the Troll Center. Like I said, nobody likes uh, Wisconsin's players, especially Brad Davidson. Nobody likes Davidson. Do we want to do a quick little uh, sidebar about us getting a shout-out about Brad Davidson? (laughs) That was funny, yeah. (laughs) I don't care if it's a very small thing. It made me laugh this morning (laughs) when I saw it. But anyway, if you uh, don't follow us on Twitter, you should, at Paul Bunyan Pod. Uh, <laughs> what is it like a Wisconsin beat writer? Or? It was like deceptively fast or something, which like looks that. like some kind of gambling website or something like sports gambling. But uh, he says he's a lover of like beer and brats, and I'm pretty sure he's like very Wisconsin. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's Eric uh, Butchinger. Uh, yeah, he probably likes for deceptive dairy speed. Too. Deceptive speed, and he he probably likes dairy too. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, it was nice to be included in that little shout-out. It was, was cool. just we a were bunch of tweets. Yeah, it was a bunch of tweets about uh, – The hate speech on Brad Davison. Uh, during the Michigan State game February 1st when Davison was serving a one-game suspension and Wisconsin was kind of kicking our ass, I was like, you know what? Hot take. Maybe Brad Davison has been holding Wisconsin back ever since he stepped foot on campus. <laughs> uh, uh, this guy kind of took took a note of that. But it seems, seems a good fun. Yeah, he uh, tweeted like – Tara Stafford, too, and a couple other people. I think they were mostly, like, Michigan and Michigan State fans. Um, I believe it's Tara Stafford. Tara Stafford? In case case we get a listener, we don't want to mess anything up. I know she appears on some Michigan State podcasts, but I'm not sure I've ever heard her name actually uh, spoken. (laughs) I only know her from Twitter. Um, Yeah, for the Big Ten tournament – I've never held this one in as high esteem as the Big Ten regular season. There have been a few years where it means extra, like Draymond senior year, you wanted to win it because they ended up having to share it on senior day when Ohio State came in and beat them. 2014 wanted to win it because Appling and Payne and Dawson were all playing together for the first time pretty much. Wasn't that the year Michigan Michigan State met for a Yeah, and that was the first time they met ever in the Big Ten tournament. Um, Yeah. And then really, like, 2016, Denzel's last year, I, I wanted to win it because I thought that meant they could get a one seed. But as everyone knows, they ended up getting two seed anyways and losing to Middle Tennessee State. I didn't mean to bring that up. but you know, anyway. I, I, It just seemed like in a couple years recently, I started to value it more because it felt like Michigan kind of used it to get hot. Yeah. And then they made runs in the big tournament, whether it's, you know, going to Sweet 16 as a seventh seed or – 
What, what, what seed were they when they played Villanova? They were like off. I think they were three seed. Three seed, yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, Michigan State has done that as well. Like, I thought in 2014 that was going to be the case. Like, you know, all these players playing together and getting hot. Like, they just dominated that Big Ten tournament. I think they beat Northwestern by 20, uh, Wisconsin by like nine or 11 or something like that, and then beat Michigan by 14. I thought that was just going to lead them to take off. Unfortunately, they ran into Shabazz Napier and UConn. Um, we keep bringing up all these bad things. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I was just talking about how this team was I don't think peaking the, at the right time. I don't think the committee really looks at the game on Sunday either. No, and that's the unfortunate part. Um, I do like the fact, though, that the, the Big Ten can showcase their championship game when a lot of people are watching because not yeah. only is it the game of the week, but a lot of people are tuning in to see the selection. And you kind of catch the end. Yeah. So since it's moving <laughs> from CBS to like, what was it? TNT last It's year? moved to TNT, TBS. They try I, to, I think they like all have a deal to like kind of yeah. swap it. Um, but did you want to say more about Michigan state or did you want to go into tournaments talk? Um, I would just say like on Michigan state, uh, the senior class has been very special. Um, not just Cassius Winston, but, you know, this was kind of the class recruiting-wise that kind of brought Tom Izzo back onto the scene. I believe it was his highest-rated recruiting class. Uh, you know, Miles Bridges, Nick Ward, Josh Langford, Cassius Winston. Um, Nick Ward might have been, like, the least, uh, you know, the lowest-rated of those four. And I th- arguably, he made the biggest impact right away. Um, him and Bridges kind of carried that team. They don't make the NCAA tournament. <laughs> In 2017, without Nick Ward, they were uh, that was a really hyped class, and then kind of Michigan State was uh, preseason number one this year. Miles Bridges freshman year, they were number one sophomore year. Sophomore uh, year. But let's see, what, what what year did they start? 2015, fall of 2016, 17. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. So the year before. Michigan State kind of has like an every other year deal with the number one ranking, I guess. Because at one point, when uh, they signed Denzel Valentine was a senior, and uh, they were kind of they they went undefeated until January that year. They were number one or two at the yeah. same time. The football team was uh, heading in the playoffs, the top four team too. Exactly. Okay. Um, but you know that just kind of brought Tom Izzo back onto the recruiting scene. That was in the years following when he missed on so many recruits that were going to Kansas and Duke and Carolina. Jabari Parker. Jabari Parker, Cliff Alexander, who was taking some money. Um, <laughs> just a lot of players. Tyus Jones, uh, Jaleel Okafor. It was just a class that brought him back, and we don't know what's going to happen with Langford. Um, you know, if he comes back, I, I think it's more likely that you see Langford come back and Tillman go rather than Tillman stay and Langford go. But that's just my personal opinion. That's not based on like fact or anything, you know. Um, Hauser going to be playing. Hauser will be playing next year. Um, but yeah, and you just look at Cassius Winston as a person and as a player. Um, it's just hard to argue he's not one of the top three, maybe even top two players and people at Michigan State basketball. Like the only person who I could definitely, with a bullet, say has it over Cassius Winston would be magic because he's just done so much from a legacy standpoint for Michigan State. Um, just look at Cassius Winston's numbers, both from a team standpoint, from a personal standpoint. You look at his journey as a player where he's just improved in his numbers for pretty much every year. Look at what he's been through. If Denzel hadn't – if they hadn't lost to the 
Middle, Middle Tennessee. Tennessee State would have been different. It would have been different. Because he was splitting player of the year awards with uh, Buddy Heald. Yeah. And you look at Denzel Valentine. Denzel Valentine is legitimately one of the best players in Michigan State history, but never had a Big Ten regular season championship. And Cassius Winston's got three of them. Who won in uh, 2015-16, whatever? Indiana ended up winning it by themselves. <laughs> and then they fired their coach not long after that. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, he had three tournament title games, Denzel did. And Michigan State was a number two seed. What was Indiana that year? In, Indiana was worse. They just had a better Big Ten record because Denzel Valentine missed, I believe, the first three games of the Big Ten season. And then when he came back, it was a big shift in, like, player roles. It took a while. They ended up losing to Nebraska at home when Nebraska was bad and um, losing at Wisconsin, which looked like a bad loss at the time. Michigan beat the Indiana team in the turn- in the Big Ten tournament, too. Yeah, but, Cam Chapman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then he transferred. And I'll just say this, like, it looks right – it looks like right now Cassius Winston is irreplaceable, but – you know, Draymond Green's senior day and after his senior year, it looked like there was never going to be a four-year player like Draymond Green again. But coming in the next class was Denzel Valentine. And Denzel Valentine has his years, you know, and he he wasn't really anything to write home about his first couple of years, but he became one of the all-time greats and it looked like you never get another player like him again. And the Cassius Winston came in and Cassius Winston's first two years were better than both of those two and – you know, again, it just looks like another irreplaceable player that stayed four years and just got better. And, you know, that, kind of, that kind of excites me. Who might be next? You he know? might not stay four years, but Rocket Watts can play both guard positions. I would be shocked if Watts is in East Lansing for four years. But, yeah, Rico Beard <laughs> was talking about that on his show this week. He said if Rocket Watts stays three or four years, his ability and his potential, you might be talking about him as the best Izzo player ever. Um, and you know, that's all speculation, but it's hard to disagree to this point, but yeah, that's pretty much all I have for Michigan state. Um, you know, they're just, they're kind of stay at their level. That's, you know, it's, it's one thing to get to the top is another thing to stay there. So that's, that's maybe the most impressive thing is how long Tom Izzo has been able to do it, but sounds good. We'll get to the big 10 tournament on the flip side. Do you want a little pop culture mixed in with your sports? Are you a fan of the Michigan Wolverines, Michigan State Spartans, the local Detroit teams, comic books, movies, or just sports in general? Then check out the Beards for Radio podcast. We're talking Marvel, DC, college hoops, horror movies, the NFL, the Avengers, the Walking Dead, the NBA, and we're doing it with Beards for Radio. Find us on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else podcasts are available. We're going to make fun of you until you shave the beard. That's the rules. That's the whole point. You're supposed to be tempted into shaving. Your face looks like Robin Williams' knuckles. <laughs> so I never thought I'd say this, but Michigan versus Rutgers Part 3 looks to be a big game. <laughs> Might be the best... The best one of the trilogy. <laughs> Rutgers coach Steve Pickle? Pinkle? Pickle. Pickle. Rhymes with Michael. <laughs> He's really done a great job. And um, did, Greg, did Gard get the coach of the year? Greg Gard got it, yeah. That's oh, stupid. It should have been uh, good old Stevie. Uh, <laughs> should have been Steve Pickle. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, Side note, I think Tom Izzo should have gotten it last year, not Matt Painter, but um, that's kind of a different discussion. But, yeah, um, you know, you're talking about, um, you know, waxing waxing poetic, waxing poetic (laughs) (laughs) about uh, some of the players, you know, kind of had me thinking the same. Uh, Xavier Simpson and John Teske never playing in Chrysler again. It's like a crazy thought. Yeah. And Xavier Simpson, his senior year, has kind of been a bit more what he probably hoped for. He's a better free throw shooter, better three-point shooter. He can go left. Like every year, he really improves on his game. And it's really kind of as much talent as Michigan has coming in next year. Like another year, Xavier Simpson would be crazy. You're going to miss that leadership and that. Yeah. That pit bull mentality, as I've always heard about. Yeah, and um, it looks like uh, there's a good chance they're going to get this highly rated point guard. He's one of the people in Michigan's class that hasn't officially signed, Josh Christopher. Um, And then DeJulius and Eli Brooks are coming back, and they can pick up some of the slack, but it's still sad. And also, Franz Wagner, also kind of like Rocket Watts, had an injury earlier in the year. And now it looks like he's starting to shoot better to go with his defensive game, which was actually the first part of uh, his game that really emerged, which surprised me a bit. Um, Not that he wasn't regarded highly for both, but, you know, kind of thought of him as more of an offensive player. And maybe really hope that uh, some of their players like Livers and Brooks can – like pick up the offense, you know they have it on the defense, and especially as Livers heals, his defensive game is picking up where it was. It's hard to beat a team three times, but I, I just feel like Michigan has Rutgers' number, and they like match up well yeah. versus the next round. Uh, Wisconsin, with some of their bigger guards, is a team they don't necessarily match up well with. And it's going to be a bit of a feeling out process because in a lot of these games – one team will have played the day before, but this is one of the ones where it's two teams playing their first game on the court. Um, so it's going to be a little bit of a probably some like rust some, to shake off. So some of those years where Michigan was a low, uh, higher seed, lower seed, however you want to say it, towards but, the bottom of the yeah, bracket, right? They used that to their advantage. And yeah. They did up. They upset some teams. Um, I just like I said, Wisconsin, like. They're just playing so well right now that it's hard for me to pick Michigan against them. Um, I think uh, Maryland really um, benefited because Penn State is a bit in a free fall right now. Yeah. Um, So they're either going to be playing Penn State, Indiana, or Nebraska before they meet up with probably the Spartans. I feel decent saying Penn State versus Maryland. Um, Yeah, yeah. Well, Indiana's not bad, though. Indiana's not bad. They're playing um, right now. I think they're a ten or eleven seed. They're playing to stay in the tournament. And they have some. Uh, they, they have some. Uh, that's one thing. Yeah, that's how I kind of look at it. Like, I think Rutgers, they're in the NCAA tournament, but they need to get a win in the Big Ten tournament to really feel safe. And a win over a team like Michigan would help them a lot. I think a lot like, would have to happen because yeah. I guess they're the bottom nine seed, but they're a nine seed right now. Minnesota, I don't think makes it unless they win the whole Big Ten tournament. Yep, they're not. Indiana, even. I think would need to beat Penn State at least to feel better about themselves. Uh, Iowa, I think is safely in. Illinois, obviously safely in. Ohio State, Penn State are all good. Iowa's um, a six seed. Yeah. Um, so those are the teams I look at. Like I think Rutgers and Indiana are in, but if I'm a Rutgers or Indiana fan, first of all, I'm not happy ever. Second of all, um, <laughs> probably like 
my <laughs> my nails are probably already gone because I'm biting my nails every minute, uh, looking at all the possible scenarios how I could get in or get. I out. think a lot would have to happen. I think Rutgers just wants to win to be safe, and then yeah, no, like I said, Rutgers could use a win for like confidence so they can sleep on Friday and Saturday night. Yeah. Um, Indiana, I think, would have to make just a little bit of noise. I think they would have to beat Nebraska and beat Penn State um, and then put up a good game against Maryland. I, th- I don't think a win against Nebraska is going to, like, make – if they beat Nebraska and, say, lose an overtime to Penn State, that might do something. But if if the only thing you have to add to Indiana's resume – let me find their resume. Real quick. Right now they have five teams behind them. Uh, in like the last four in or whatever? The last four in, and then there's another 10 seed behind them. And this is, you know, just cumulative. It's not, it's not you know, a specific uh, person. It's uh, brightbracketmatrix.com, which takes uh, all these different uh, websites and bracketologists. And they kind of. I guess of, they are 19 and 12. I realize that. But yeah, um, I just think. For them to be like safe and not be like in the first in the playing tournament. If you know? chaos happens, you know, yeah, they could. Um, Purdue's the one I was thinking of, who's below five hundred, who, or they're right at five hundred. They're sixteen and fifteen, who would need to like really make some noise to get in there. There's the sixth team out according to this. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, just looking at the Big Ten tournament as a whole, uh, like I said, Michigan State will play the winner of Ohio State and Purdue. And while you were talking about Simpson, I did kind of realize, you know, like, yeah, Cassius Winston isn't going to be Michigan State's point guard next year. That's going to be weird. And from a certain standpoint of the Big Ten tournament, I don't care about winning it too much. You don't want to look bad at all. But, um, you know, Cassius Winston doesn't have that many games left in a Spartan uniform. So, you know, the more you play in the Big Ten tournament, at least – the, the brightness is you get to watch Cassius Winston a couple more games than you would have if they lose. And I think they will win their first game against either Purdue or Ohio State. Um, when they played Ohio State on Sunday at the Breslin Center, I believe it was the seventh team in the net versus the eighth team in the net. I don't know how much either team has separated themselves since, but you know that's another potential quad one victory on your resume if you beat Ohio State. If you get Purdue um, – it's just kind of a chance for revenge uh, to on your worst loss of the season to just get a little bit of a better taste in your mouth in terms of that. Um, although the last three times we played Purdue in the Big Ten tournament, lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So if you're a little stitious like me, <laughs> don't really want to see them anyways. <laughs> I can see that. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to see the bald eagle hit five three-pointers on us again. Right, and then that Purdue team would be hungry too because they're playing for their tournament lives. Yeah, know? like I said just now, they're sixteen and fifteen right now. They got some good wins against like Virginia and uh, Michigan State and Iowa, but not yeah. a whole lot outside of. Yeah, because if they beat Ohio State, they're looking at Michigan State. If they beat them, then they're probably Maryland. playing Maryland, maybe someone looking- else. Maybe Penn State, but still, those are your beating teams that are in the tournament, right? On neutral, on the neutral site floor, which would and sometimes something. I think the committee overrates uh, momentum too, and they would be sometimes, kind yeah. of the hot pick. I mean, Michigan oh. State's gotten in at nineteen and fifteen, and that's what they would be going into the championship game. Right? Yeah, that was the year Draymond twenty eleven. I would say, and they weren't they like nineteen and fifteen or something. Nineteen like fifteen, yeah, and they they actually had to beat Purdue on Friday night of the Big Ten tournament to, like, really secure their spot. It all comes back to Purdue. That's right. (laughs) 
unfortunately. <laughs> um, so, uh, do you have much more to say? Because I was going to ask you who you thought was the favorites. I think favorites. it's either Michigan State or Wisconsin. That's interesting. Uh, I could see Illinois beating Wisconsin on Saturday. Um, but Illinois and Iowa just had a tough game Sunday afternoon slash evening. And I think there's a little rivalry brewing there between Brad Underwood and Fran McCaffrey. So I would say if Illinois gets past Iowa and plays Wisconsin on Saturday, Illinois won at Wisconsin earlier in the season. Um, I could see Illinois getting to Sunday. But I don't really want to say Maryland. I feel like they haven't been playing their best. I See, I feel like uh, Wisconsin and Illinois are kind of going opposite My directions. dark horse, I would say I think Penn State could make a run. Um, but no, I don't think, I don't think Michigan State's going to treat this. I don't think Michigan State's going to give this like their full effort. They might use it as experimenting. Like I said, I kind of want to see Gabe Brown get a lot of minutes. I want to see Rocket at the point. Um, you know, don't, don't play Xavier Tillman more than like 32 minutes in a game in, in this tournament. If you have to play Julius Marble and Marcus Bingham and Thomas Kithier, 10 plus minutes each, uh, so be it. You know, you just kind of live with that. Um, and that, that might help you out down the road, anyways. Wisconsin's won eight in a row and hasn't lost in over a month. That's crazy. Again, yeah. like you just don't think about this happening, but that's what that's just why. And I feel like Illinois and Penn State kind of both fell off just a little bit. Yeah, Penn State was, I believe, missing Myron Jones against Northwestern, or they were missing somebody. Uh, might have been Amari Wheeler, but. Yeah, Illinois. Yeah, wow, I, I see. Wisconsin. I can't believe. See that. that Illinois and Iowa game, the two point game. The Illinois lost to Ohio State. They barely beat Indiana. They actually didn't beat Northwestern by that much, or Nebraska. They did beat Penn State. Lost the Rutgers. Lost the Michigan. I just feel State. like from like a roster standpoint, they've got a really good big three, and I feel like Andres Feliz has come on stronger lately. So I feel like. If again, if they get past Iowa, which you know that was a super tight game, and the first meeting was too at Iowa. Yeah, um, I just feel like they could get past Wisconsin again. Wisconsin. One thing I forgot to mention about Michigan State is they have four straight wins against teams ranked in the AP top twenty-five. Um, that's the first time that's happened since in thirty years. I read, uh, so that's a pretty impressive streak. I believe if they play Ohio State, that would continue with the with the win and then you would be playing maryland potentially but yeah uh, i don't have too much to say about the tournament um from an outside perspective just the way the regular season of the big 10 conference went i could see this being a very entertaining one um that being said i'll be a little upset if michigan state looks bad on friday and loses if they look good and lose and or if they win Friday and lose Saturday, as long as they don't look bad, nothing that can embarrass you, nothing that could potentially drop you down a seed line. Um, you know, just avoid injuries. If you play on Sunday, that's fine. Uh, if not, you know, it's, it's cool. That's cool. Yeah, and Michigan um, definitely wanted to beat Rutgers. I think if they beat Rutgers, they probably hold steady at the sixth seed. Yeah. And then anything beyond that, you know, it's just a cherry on top. It would be nice to beat a Wisconsin team and add that to your resume or – any other team. <clears throat> uh, if they're playing on Sunday, of course, I'll be super excited and watching that game. Um, I do want to give a quick shout out to the hockey team who somehow, some way might actually make the tournament after being left for dead earlier this year. Yeah. Uh, quite the turnaround. I mean, kind of the opposite story for Michigan state. Unfortunately, the 
got off to a really nice start. Um, at one point, we're leading the Big Ten. or At one tying. point, it was in first place. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's the way it ended was this past weekend, uh, dropping two straight eight Yosts to Michigan. And they played two weeks before that, too. Yeah, Michigan won the last four all pretty convincingly against Michigan State. So One uh, one in East Lansing and then one in Detroit, too. I believe, yeah. Yeah. So disappointing end to uh, a very promising start for Michigan State hockey. But I like Danton Cole. Um from what I've heard, he's got some good recruiting classes coming in. People like Jer Bear on Twitter would know a lot more than oh, yeah, yeah. about the hockey team. Yeah, that, that podcast, they're a little bit more hockey-focused. Yeah. Um, self-admittedly, you know, I'm kind of a bandwagon hockey fan. I probably go to a game every other year uh, in Detroit, but I'm, I'm a bit more casual, too. Um, this actually is the first year I haven't been to Yost in a while. I go – at least once a year, and usually a couple more times than that. I really like that they made the move from uh, um, shoot, I'm forgetting his name now. They moved, Red Berenson. yeah, to uh, Mel Pearson, gotcha. yeah, freaking Michigan hockey legend. I can't remember his name, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, and they actually have a really good uh, class coming in too. And some of them are playing in this area, and it's like, uh, couldn't you guys come a year early? That's how you kind of <laughs> felt earlier in the season. But they have a very good, they have very good goaltending and very good defense. Not they're a little bit offensively challenged. And besides the week before last, when they got swept by Ohio State, they have been like the hottest team in yeah. the Big Ten. And uh, that whole conference from top to bottom is like really like <laughs> pretty close. And uh, I know the MGO blog guys did like some stats, and it's like amazing how like the save percentage from team to team is almost the exact same. <laughs> um, but at some points, Michigan was playing like Penn State and Notre Dame, and they were in first place. And right. I think like Notre Dame's actually behind them now, and it's just kind of crazy how a couple games can move. Big Ten hockey is like so weird from just a setup standpoint. I'm glad that Illinois is getting a team. I'd like to see one or two other schools get teams too, um, or maybe add like a North Dakota State or some or a school that like Minnesota was rivals with. Yeah, I missed the uh, what was it the CCHA that they used to play in. It was like it was Michigan and Michigan State, Lake uh, Superior, Lake Superior State. You got I think Western in there. Um, some teams from the state of Ohio. I missed it more than I thought I would too, but I, I feel like the longer Big Ten goes, the more I'm like it'll it'll pick up steam. I didn't expect Penn State to be. Notre Dame's a good like hockey program too, and then you know they have natural rivals with Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State. Yeah. Um, moving on to um, Imani Bates, the number one <laughs> high school basketball player. Uh, um, for, like, the next three classes. Yeah, he's at Lincoln and Ipsy now. That's right. He was at Clegg in Ann Arbor before that. Local guy. Uh, it's just so Michigan's- cool to have this uh, this national phenom, basketball-wise, just be right pretty much in our backyard playing at Lincoln High School in Ypsilanti. Uh, literally, like a house I lived at like four years ago, it's right in the backyard, like right down the back roads. It's- Michigan State fans and their program seems really excited about him. I, I feel like been, um, we have been heavy on the Imani Bates train for a long time. I feel like uh, Michigan fans, especially since Howard got here, they yeah, feel like, pretty good. Like they have some inroads there too. Beeline before that wasn't recruiting him, but he was also a freshman in high school. Yeah. And Beeline won't give a freaking junior, senior in high school an offer until they visit. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> and I know Imani just this year was up there. In October for the Midnight Madness event, and then he was there 
for the Maryland game, uh, or February 15th. And then it was there on Sunday for senior day. And, um, what was cool was, uh, Lincoln was playing the team that Marcus Bingham's brother plays for. And at the game were Cassius Winston, Rocket Watts, Aaron Henry, obviously Marcus Bingham. And then, uh, Mike Garland, the assistant coach were all there. Um, you know, we've been burned before, so I'm not I'm not even putting, like, any eggs in the basket of Imani Bates. It's just, like, wishful thinking, like, in a perfect world. It would be awesome if he reclassified because the year uh, that the one-and-done rule has proposed to be done away with is also the year he'll be graduating from high school. So there are some talks that he might possibly reclassify a year early and uh, do what a lot of high school seniors have been doing. Um, which would mean he would be playing with Gabe Brown as a senior, which would mean two Ypsilanti kids on Michigan State, which as an Ypsilanti native myself uh, just excites me so much. Uh, there have been videos of Bates and Gabe Brown working out together with a trainer. Um, but, yeah, like I said, it's just cool to have him in your backyard like that. A lot of Lincoln's home games have been moved to the Convocation Center where Eastern Michigan plays basketball because it's just too many people to hold. Yeah. I'm excited because it felt like, I mean, it was early in the process, but I feel like Beeline didn't have any, like, Michigan wasn't making any inroads with them. And I'm happy not only that Juwan Howard seems to be building a resume of getting top players, but he's visited them twice. Uh, He he watched them play uh, Huron, which is the high school I went to, with Jalen Rose. And then uh, just last week... uh, uh, Juwan Howard and Tim Hardaway Sr. watched uh, Imani Bates play. And then Imani Bates has also taken an official day in Ann Arbor and is expected yeah. to take an official one too. And not only is Bates in the same state as U of M, but he's in the same county and tends to spend a lot of time yeah. in Ann Arbor Ipsy. So if he's right literally in your backyard, well, maybe not your backyard. Right. <laughs> when, is, when is Eastern going to get him on a movie? Official visit. You know, um, unlike in football, Eastern could be a potential, um, you know, it doesn't, as silly as it sounds, they could actually be a potential uh, um, foe in recruiting him because they've, yeah. they've, they had George German, they had uh, Earl, Earl Boykins, right? Is that the, um, they've gotten NBA players and they actually put money into their uh, basketball program. Not as much as Michigan, Michigan State, but, uh, uh, Monkey, uh, so, um, when uh, Chris Weber was getting recruited by Michigan, Michigan State, U of D was actually trying really hard. Yeah. So, I mean, in basketball, sometimes the smaller schools can be a real threat, especially if it – Hey, look down. at DePaul. <laughs> especially <laughs> if they come with the money. Right. Um, but I think that about wraps it up. That wraps it up. Yeah. Um, again, it's just fun to talk about Imani Bates. Like, yeah. Uh, exciting to see uh, just somebody – in Ypsilanti, uh, someone who has a lot of Ypsilanti pride. Right. Um, Kenji, who uh, follows us on Twitter, and he actually went to Clegg Middle School. And then I went to – I actually went to high school with him. I've actually known him for a while. He was talking about how perfect time to draft him with the Pistons tanking. Exactly. And I threw in, like, hey, he might end up playing basketball here. Um, and he was like, uh, well, if he uh, – if he goes to Michigan State, I'm gonna root against him his entire pro career. <laughs> Which <laughs> imagine if the Pistons get like all these Detroit kids like Livers and Winston and Bates in a couple of years. Yeah, sweet. especially if like um, you know, I still think uh, 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 I think a couple of those players 
have uh, a potential to really make yeah. the next step. Like if Livers can create his own shot, if Cassius Winston like proves some of the NBA scouts wrong and like, hey, I should have been a first round pick because he's looking to go second. Yeah. If Tillman can like score face the like face in the basket a bit more, but yeah, I mean. And I don't think Bates has a whole lot to work on, so that would be amazing. I mean, yeah, the Pistons need to be doing, going after those Michigan, state of Michigan players. Man. The last time I was like, say about the Pistons, George W. Bush was president. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, I think that wraps it up. That wraps it up. Thank you for listening to the Paul Bunyan Podcast, as we mentioned at the beginning. Uh, Twitter, at Paul Bunyan Pod. Gmail, at uh, the Paul Bunyan Podcast at gmail.com. We occasionally check that one, uh, but not all the time. Yeah, you can find us on Facebook, like us. You leave us a five-star review on wherever you listen to us if you like us. And remember, we're on most third-party podcasting uh, That's right. services. Uh, we record on Anchor, but it distributes it a lot of places. Um, but, yeah, that wraps it up. See ya.